Welcome to Futures Forum, mind-sharing ideas, innovations, and best practices. This episode is about architecting for inclusivity. For this conversation, we gathered industry experts from Intel, Hub, Opus Agency, Amazon, SEMA, the Charles Group, Microsoft, Salesforce, Silverfox, and Google. I, I thought that the introductions today as we make our way around would be good in the context of our first question because we're going to run today's session on inclusivity uh, around good questions <laughs> is how I've kind of titled the, the format or the approach for the session. So lots of questions and I think lots of musings in response. <laughs> um, so my first question for each of you as we go around here is going to be, you know, what does inclusivity mean to you? And from your unique perspective on the world of experiences and events, how are you encountering and working with inclusivity? So if you want to introduce yourself and what it is you do, and as, as you answer that question, that, that would be that would be awesome. Um, I'm going to start with Jeremy because you were first on the call today. So that, yeah. <laughs> start with you. Um, yeah, I'll be happy to start. Um, so great to meet all of you um, virtually. Um, and I am the Director of Strategic Operations at Silver Fox Productions. We are a graphic design um, and presentation uh, vendor. And when I think of inclusion, I think of opportunity. Um, I think of all of of the connections uh, that we have with everyone in our events, um, in my role as a storyteller and designer. Um, and that goes into the board meeting room or, or the virtual spaces that we connect on. Um, and so when I think of exclusivity, I think of the importance of accessibility and on many levels, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or those economic barriers, um, it, in keeping at the forefront of designing these virtual experiences, designing a presentation and designing content. Uh, some of the things that I think about are how each person, including the speakers and the panelists has to navigate that experience and how does it play for each member of an audience. Um, and as a visual storyteller, I can use design to foster experiences and opportunity for all people to connect by being an ally for change and reducing those barriers of exclusion. Um, and sometimes that, you know, those barriers might be, like I said, uh, mental health or uh, emotional connections or all the physical barriers that so might be a part of uh, uh, an event. And so that's how I think of inclusion. Mm. So things that you may not necessarily be able to see, <laughs> but also define that inclusion. Um, Justin, how about you, So. Sure, sure. My name is Justin Boone. I lead creative strategy at Opus for those that I haven't seen before on these conversations. And a lot of the work that I do focuses on content and the experience side and uh, really that intersection of strategy and creative as a whole. And when I think about inclusivity, the short answer is what does inclusivity mean to me is being able to ask yourself the, the question and feel positive in the response. Is there something for me here? And the slightly longer answer is, do they talk like me? Do they look like me? Can I get what, what, what I want out of this in terms of value and the way that I can engage as part of this experience? Are there barriers that stand in my way? Being able to answer those types of questions, obviously, hopefully with the affirmative to say, great, this is a space that I can play. I can engage. I don't feel that anything about myself coming to the table as part of this 
puts me in a position where I can't fully engage and get something out of this experience in a way that brings me ultimate value as a result of, of uh, what I'm here to do. That's wonderful. So it's that idea of coming as we are and finding a place for ourselves as we are and feeling comfortable in that environment. Yeah. So thank you. So Kina, welcome. <laughs> Yep. Hi, everyone. Happy to be here. Um, my name is Kina Jones. I am on the strategic events team at Salesforce, um, working on a lot of our corporate events. And um, for me, inclusivity uh, means that there's an intention to take all voices into account. You know, so there's a system or um, an understanding, if you will, that everyone has an opportunity to be seen or heard. And I love what you said, Justin, about is there a place for me? Because I think oftentimes people will walk into a space and say, you know, look for someone that they identify with, either philosophically or physically or um, anywhere where there is a place where um, there's some intentionality that you are welcoming all. Wonderful, thank you. Well, it's glad to have you here today, Kima. Sarah, Sarah Bonda. I'll mute myself. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sarah Bonda. I'm CEO with the Charles Group. Um, uh, for me, inclusivity, the first step is working with my clients to try and figure out who their audience is and who their key stakeholders are, and then making sure that you're designing an experience that includes all of them. So, you know, for some, you know, what, what are they looking for as a company, but what are the attendees looking for? And, you know, for some people that we're working with, it can mean that they have 80 year old attendees coming who are not going to be too comfortable with the really exciting technology likelihood is. So for me, it's creating an experience that's comfortable for all in the way that it's accessed, be that it in person or virtual, um, but also creating something that's inclusive of what everyone's looking for um, so that they're excited to come, that they feel engaged and that they can find something that they want to come to. And you know, in the, in the real world, that means, you know, recently bringing Naomi in so she can talk to all the stakeholders and help them figure out <laughs> what, the, what they're all looking for so we can include it all, so. Awesome, thank you, Sarah. Susie. <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> again, I, I am a little slow today, um, but I'm Susie Kanzor and um, I uh, am with the Microsoft Garage um, and I uh, specifically am the director of hacking uh, and just uh, ran the uh, worldwide uh, hackathon last week, which uh, ended up being our largest hackathon ever. I'd like to, I'm excited to tell you. So 28,000 people worldwide uh, took part um, and uh, inclusivity, I think, means all the things that you have all said, um, but in this last week, for me, it has meant a whole new thing, which is um, how do you make people feel that they're taking part in something that is bigger than themselves and that they're doing it with other people when they are virtual, you know, and how did I make it feel and what were the programs and things that we did that made it feel like they weren't sitting by themselves in their kitchen or their living room or their basement um, hacking all by themselves alone. And so that was what was keeping me up at night and making me wonder if, you know, it is hacking something that 
can be done well virtually? Is it something that can feel inclusive virtually? Um, and I think that we, from so far the responses, we've found out that yes, it can be, um, but it has to be very, very purposefully done. Um, and so uh, I've learned a lot of new things that I might do differently, um, but uh, all goodness. That's the best kind of learning, really. Exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> it's the spirit of hacking in many ways. Yes, yes. <laughs> Try and push those boundaries. That's awesome. Thank you, Susie, for being here today. I know you're uh, tired. You're in that afterglow. Ali, can you uh, introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what inclusivity means? Yeah. Absolutely. Happy Monday, everyone. I feel like I'm still getting my mojo going um, on this Monday, but it is good to meet those of you that I haven't met before. Inclusivity to me means a variety of different things, but ultimately it's how do we create environments that allow everyone to feel a part of the group, heard, valued, and able to achieve whatever they're looking to do during their experience. Um, I grew up with a special needs little sister. And so I've, I have a special soft spot in my heart of really thinking about how we are inclusive in our design. Uh, she works at Hub and is on our morale committee. And uh, there is nothing like seeing someone truly become their best because of the environment that you're able to provide. And I think we have a huge opportunity to affect that inside of events. Just last week, I put a screen reader on my computer and went through everything we do at Hub by going through and trying to navigate through just a screen reader. So I've really been trying to just experiment things myself. Um, and when we say inclusive, sometimes it does mean accessibility needs for people. But other times, it's just thinking about who's our audience? How do we help them? How do we have compassion? How do we really understand who they are and how we can service up things? So lots of passion for, for the topic today and excited to be here. Yay, awesome. It's a, it's a good topic. I'm really excited for today's conversation. So, Monty, over to you. <laughs> Welcome. Hey, thank you very much. Um, Monty Railing, I'm with Intel Corporation, and I focus on our internal sales and marketing events for our employees. Um, in general, I do a lot of food and beverage, meeting and party planning, um, networking events, things like that. Um, with inclusion, um, you know, I think to what some of you have already said, part of it is really about knowing your audience, knowing their needs. And then I look at it as removing barriers. It's trying to understand what barriers to participation and belonging you can remove. And it's about meeting those people where they're at. You know, not everyone's going to participate in the same way. Um, there's also a lot of it around accessibility where we're trying to make sure that what we're extending to our employees when they're offsite is the same as the protections, the safety, the security, and the comfort that they would have if they were in their home office. Um, right now, kind of going to Susie's point, I'm working on some hybrid digital events and it's about removing that sense of distance that people have when they're engaging in a virtual forum. And we're looking at how you can do that with, you know, whether it's changing the tone, tenor of your conversations, being more informal, being more organic, allowing more um, kind of sidebar channels for people to make connections. Um, but it's kind of an exciting time to, to grow and try new things. Really is. That's so right. You know, I think we're all being challenged to consider what we can do to 
carry that banner, <laughs> that flag of inclusivity into this uh, new scenario that we find ourselves operating in. So it's great yeah. to have you here today, Monty. Thank you. So Megan, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you've been encountering questions of inclusivity? And Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Megan Hinshaw, and I'm on the global events team at Google. Um, and really, my job is to understand how events drive business across the org and then design on-campus spaces, whether that be like a tech talk or an event center, um, and then also the support mechanisms that support those spaces. Um, I think historically, inclusive design I've sort of thought about as equity of experience, but the last four months, I think, have made it so much more for me in that um, it really is about creating a sense of belonging in that environment, whether it's live or digital, um, allowing each attendees to see themselves in the experience, see themselves reflected in what's happening and what's being shared, the content, um, and then also, um, you know, recognizing themselves and their brand throughout. Um, and if you do it right, it's such a powerful thing, right? Because that community can do a lot of the work for you post-event um, and, and sort of, um, you know, the hybrid situation, right? Like we're, we're currently looking to plan everything hybrid for the remainder of the year. And that's a challenge, right? Like how do you create not only equity of experience between a live, a live environment and a digital one, but also um, make sure that you're being empathetic and designing around what, what joining an experience from your home office looks like versus being in an, a, like a really immersive event space. So, um, so yeah, I think it's super important and obviously something that we prioritize at Google um, every day. Um, so those were great, great introductions. And, you know, I think, uh, Monty, just to pick up on one of the things that you have mentioned, it's about, I think inclusivity is about needs on the one hand, but also kind of preferences and individuality <laughs> on the other, you know, about how people engage with one another and with content and with these mediums that we now have to navigate in terms of screens and their presence <laughs> or absence, as it were. Um, so all of that leads us into uh, our next question. And this next question actually is going to go to Kina. Uh, Kina, you had, and actually Jeremy, I think in, in your initial comment, you touched on this immediately, that this idea of the term of inclusion and accessibility tend to go hand in hand. We often hear them together. And Kina, when you and I touched base and got to know each other a little bit better last week, that was one of the, the areas where you had a really interesting point of view. So I wanted to come back to you specifically with that question, because I think it's a really wonderful one to hear about. You know, from your perspective, how do you consider the terms inclusion and accessibility as they relate to one another? Yeah, it's a great question, Naomi, and I think it's one that we are seeing a lot um, lately, and the terms are often used interchangeably, but I do think that they are separate in a lot of applications, right? Well, um, inclusion is, like I said, you know, having all the many voices and the different perspectives as part of the discussion, right? So it can be seen as having the voices of children or immigrants or veterans, just everyone coming to the table and being able to um, share their perspectives, like that's inclusion. But accessibility is making sure that those perspectives have the opportunity to actually participate in the discussion. 
So for instance, you know, um, we're in this pandemic. So at the start of all the shelter in place orders, you know, the schools were shifting to distance learning. And so as part of that, they were polling all of the parents to make sure that they had um, adequate internet services at home. But if I don't have internet service, how am I supposed to fill out your survey, right? So you can't have inclusion without accessibility. So that's one way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. And then also then there's like the um, accessibility in terms of working with persons with disabilities. So I love that everyone is looking at um, developing events through that lens as well. And that's something that is near and dear to my heart as well. I am um, an accessibility champion. I work with all of our corporate event leaders to make sure that our events are accessible to everyone, regardless, um, removing all those barriers so that everyone can participate fully. And I think that that's what's so um, important about inclusion and accessibility. They do go hand in hand. You can't have inclusion without accessibility and vice versa. So it is really important that it's something that we continue to focus on and have a real intentionality about it when we're planning our events and approaching our events. Intentionality is a key word there, isn't it, Kina? And I think that that was something that you and I were chatting a little bit about is really um, not just extending the invitation, but ensuring that um, when that invitation is accepted, the person that's accepting the invitation is positioned to succeed. Right, exactly. And I think someone else said, you know, can they really engage um, in the event or in the experience and can they fully get everything out of it as you intended it to be. So just sometimes it just takes a little bit of tweaking and you can make that happen, but you do have to be intentional about it. Awesome. So I know that I had um, received a couple of questions from, uh, from Sarah. Um, Sarah, one of your questions was around um, dealing with uh, accessibility for sight. And that's something that uh, you had, you've been curious about. And I thought that Kina might be a really wonderful person to put that question to. Yeah. So what I was thinking is, you know, this, I started thinking about accessibility down at the, the, you know, the real basic level of, you know, is it accessible for everyone who might have, you know, disabilities of some kind? And to me, you know, the, the hearing disabilities, those that are coming in with a different language, they're all things that are easily solved. And then I realized that I had never seen a solution with virtual for those that have um, trouble with sight. And I wondered, like, how would a virtual event look to be accessible for someone with sight issues? And, you know, how would you even begin, you know, to find the right thing for them? Because how can they navigate through a virtual event when they could hear it, but they can't see it? And I, Naomi thought you may know the answer to be able to help me with that one. Oh, boy, that's a tough one. It is definitely <laughs> something that, you know, um, does require a lot of attention, um, too, as well. I mean, I think we have the low vision solutions that everyone talks about, right? We're making sure that they're high contrast screens or high contrast presentations and everything. We do a lot of um, speaker prep as well. We will work with our speakers to make sure that they're using really descriptive language as they're going through their presentations and not just saying, oh, well, if you look here or click here or that type of thing. There's also a couple of um, partners that we've talked to where they will, for the live events, they will have a transmitter and they'll be able to 
talk through everything and give an audio description of everything that the attendee is seeing. And we've tested out doing that with the virtual events as well. It's mm -hmm. not as um, straightforward because, you know, with a physical event, you're describing what's being seen and, and how they're moving or where they want to go. With a lot of the virtual events, there's a lot of different things happening at one time. Mm -hmm. And so talking through that and walking the attendee through that um, has has definitely come with some challenges. But I think, again, too, it's, you know, trying it out and seeing what works for the attendee. And a lot of times the attendee is what drives the um, options. And they'll say, you know, this is what works for me or this isn't what works because everyone has a different um, the disabilities are as diverse as the person. And so everyone has a different encounter. And so just working with the attendee and finding out what they need has been really successful for us, but there's not like one perfect solution. Okay, that, that's good advice. Thank you. Sure. And I was just going to jump in. I, I think what, what you just said was so important. I mean, we're, we're, um, we go out very clearly with a, a communication that like, let us know what you need. Um, because um, if people have trouble finding that, it can get really frustrating, but like letting us know what you need. And, you know, it brought up a new inclusivity thing this year. So we had a, a site in Nairobi and they said, what we don't have is we don't have um, good internet at home and we don't have um, um, our, our power is going out all the time. So we actually, for those 20 people, we bought them a generator <laughs> for their house and we bought them a, a hotspot um, and those are going to then be used um, year round now um, in, in other events. So if like the, they'll belong to the company and then they'll, they'll move them to different people around the company if they really need to have that solid. But that was like a new inclusivity one that for me was totally new. And we had to go out and figure out how to source those in because we couldn't get them shipped in to Africa. And so we had to figure out how to source those locally and that kind of thing. So, you know, we got hit with some new things around inclusivity that were really interesting and but giving people a, a really easy way for them to contact you and ask you about their special needs. And that's a great um, solution to providing that access, Susie, that otherwise those attendees wouldn't have been able to enjoy all of your content. So that's yep, exactly. Yeah, it's great. And Kina, we have a great question from Ali. Um, she is going back to your point of surveys and finding the survey to participate to participate and if and wonders how we can apply it to our events to give people options for like a voice because if there is site issues um, how do we kind of address that when it comes to surveys? That's a great question too. Um, what we have done is uh, call downs actually you know you again you figure out who your attendees are and what their needs are and how best to communicate them. So you could just say, can I call you and conduct a quick survey with you or just talk through your um, events? And that's what we do following our events because we know that a lot of it is so anecdotal that it, you, the questions can't really be answered in a survey or you can't get the intel that you need just from a survey. So having a live conversation with the attendee, if it's manageable, would be my recommendation. That's great. And that actually touches, Jeremy, on a conversation that we had had last week, getting to know each other a little bit as well, right? You know how as planners, we need to 
put those people <laughs> in the way of the experience so that folks know that they have a human um, that is there and caring about the experience that they have. Right? Yeah, I think one of the great things about that, um, especially in this virtual space and even for live events, is having an advocate or ally that is there um, to kind of speak to the needs or the people can go to for those questions and get those answers and uh, immediately having a, a resource or a resource kit that provides references for all the different tools that they can utilize is super helpful um, in going to, especially in this virtual space where everyone is kind of off on their own trying to navigate these challenges themselves. I hope you enjoyed the first part of this wonderful discussion about inclusion. That's all that we have time for today, but stay tuned for part two of this podcast in which the group will be talking about how virtual can enable and extend inclusion to audiences and how we consider equity of experience across a variety of hybrid journeys.